Welcome to Baby Magic Granny Sense. This summer I've decided to feature some of the interviews that I did already two years ago where I was speaking to women about their various experiences giving birth. I spoke to many women of all different walks of life, all different ages. The oldest woman I spoke to was almost 80 and she still remembers the birth of her first child just like it was yesterday. So today I'm going to feature the voice of a woman who gave birth twice. Uh, first time in a hospital, second time at home with a lay midwife. And she speaks about how she was, she was birthed as a woman when she gave birth the first time and also as a political being. She also speaks of the resilience of women and how it was interesting that her second birth physiologically was harder but spiritually and mentally was was so much better. In the coming weeks I'll be presenting all sorts of different stories, some of them difficult to hear, some of them wonderful, some of them may make you feel sad or, or maybe even a little envious and others will make you want to reach out and, and give someone a hug. So listen up, spread the love. Okay, so um, how many people other than you were, pre were present at the birth of your children? So just like the number of people, how many people were in the room? So, oh, like, you know, at the end, do you mean? Like when? Yeah, like more or less give, a, <clears throat> give an idea of how many people were present. Well, so for the first traumatic birth that I had, um, I had way too many people there. I mean, it was one of those things where you're s single and it's so, like people want to be supportive, but there's also this kind of buffering that men do for you um, that when you don't have that, you're actually quite vulnerable, even to, I think, well-meaning other women. So I had two people at my birth, uh, two friends who I actually didn't really want to be there but was like too nice to say no you know mm -hmm. um <clears throat> kind of like a birthday party <laughs> that yeah. you want to invite everyone to uh which I learned my lesson on of course um so I had two friends there and then I had my sister and my mom who I actually really wanted to be there so um so there were those people and then there was a doula um who was ex really good but extremely limited in the setting of the hospital um and then midwife and by the end there was a lot of the people that were with me had been kicked out which was okay actually um and so i think at the end it was just my mom and the doula and the obstetrician and <clears throat> some other people that i didn't really know why they were there uh, mm -hmm. hospital staff uh it felt the room felt packed it really felt like a very public event. But I don't actually remember how many people there were at the end there because I was not really in a very coherent state myself. Yeah. And so with the second? The second, it was just me, my partner, and Sarah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I would have, I mean, I shouldn't say this, maybe, but... I would have been fine with just me and Sarah. Like, I actually didn't really feel like my partner was like, he was mostly just like, 
you could tell he was just kind of like freaked out and almost like in a fear response, which, but I mean, he wasn't bad. It was just like not super useful. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, Sarah was very good. She's excellent. At what she did. Yeah. It's too bad that she stopped, although I understand why. Yeah. Well, she actually stopped because of her own uh, stuff rather than the the, uh, ridiculous situation out there. No, I I know she has some health stuff. Yeah. 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 No, it's sad that everyone else has stopped because of the politics. Okay. I don't, I actually haven't been keeping up with it. Someone was prosecuted. One of the midwives was prosecuted really, really viciously in 2018. So now no one's working. Okay. Yeah. So now women are even more alone. Because they can't even get help. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. There's an, I feel like there's a general attack on women right now. Oh, there is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So what would you say made your birth traumatic? Um, well, I felt it was uh, there's so many layers to this and i was i actually didn't spend a lot of time reflecting beforehand because uh, i don't know anyway it's it's actually kind of hard for me to to go there yeah but um so i just want to say to mm-hmm. preface yeah if you i i don't actually need um you know the soul searching kind of story if you don't want to give it what i'd love if if you could just I can give concrete details. Yeah. Yeah. I can give really concrete, like things that I remember as being, I remember, um, I remember signing a document that when I went in, um, that basically was like giving away my rights. I realized later. Uh, and at the time I was like a little bit weirded out because I'd never actually had to sign a document in a hospital before, like consent to treatment. And, there were things on the document, like I understand that things will, procedures will be, you know, basically I kind of was like signing away my right to consent. You know, it was a kind of like a blanket consent that I was signing. And that, and that like later I played back because I was like, cause I had a little bit of like, you know, weird feeling at the time, but it was later that I really thought about that document and how, how much, how, how later it made me feel so disempowered to have signed it. And I, so I think the powerlessness is really like a huge thing. Um, I, I'd say like, I said to my mom, I had a huge like PTSD after this event. And I felt like on some level, I think I had this idea that I would become a woman in a kind of biological sense mm-hmm. <laughs> by giving birth. And what I realized I, is that I actually became a woman in a very political sense, that this is like, um, one of the first times that I, I consider it a sexual assault. So uh, one thing was I had um, early membrane rupture, which was like a very light, very light membrane rupture. It was almost imperceptible uh, if I hadn't flagged it for the midwife, which in hindsight, I wish I hadn't, you know, <laughs> um, it could have easily just been seen as like discharge or incontinence or, you know, like whatever yeah. that stuff happens at the end of pregnancy. Uh, but they did test it and they're like, okay, it is like amniotic fluid. And so then that put me on the timer because yeah. I tested positive for strep B. 
So um, I went into labor um, kind of naturally at home, but then I had to go to the hospital to get these IV antibiotics all the time. Uh, and then once I was in the hospital, then I couldn't really get out. Um, and then eventually I had the induction, you know, the whole cascade that everyone's familiar with, um, the induction. And then, um, but the thing that really struck me about that was I was on, I didn't have an epidural. I didn't want an epidural. Um, and I was on that machine, you know, that, that they hook you up to that monitors the baby. And there were these two young women and I was only 29, but no, maybe I was 30 by then. Anyway. Uh, but they were younger than me significantly, like in their early 20s. And they were talking about their weekend, you know, just over the monitor. And I was in like agonizing pain. And then every time I tried to move or like adjust myself, one of them would look at me and say, oh, baby doesn't like that. Um, and because it would move the monitor yeah. and it would make it harder for them to see the baby. So already there is this weird kind of manipulation that their ability to access information about my body was now being kind of coupled with my natural care for my child and, and actually very like really manipulative <laughs> kinds of things. Like, um, and then I, I wasn't progressing like hours and hours went by. They said, look, you're not relaxed. You probably should get an epidural. It will help to relax you. So I got the epidural. Um, and that did, it was like, it was nice actually at that point to have the epidural because that, mach that machine that kind of slams you with the contractions was so awful. Um, and then I did dilate and the baby started to come and then this is like kind of hazy, but the one, the thing I remember is this female obstetrician jumping on, it felt like, I mean, this is like in my memory, like jumping on the bed and looking at the, the midwife and saying to her, she's going to have to push with me. And I realized that she was talking about me, but I was being talked about in the third person. Mm. So I was just the she you know, um, and then Layla was born and they took her right away and blah, blah, blah. And then in the end there, her, I can't remember what her APGAR was, but it was really good mm -hmm. and she was fine. And she was actually had been fine the whole time. And so it was like all of this stuff had happened. And I've been told that the, you know, that I was basically that if I didn't consent to this stuff or if I didn't do if I, if I didn't stay completely still that I would have been, you know, harming my child. And so in a way, the fact that she was fine really made me angry. Like I kind of expected that there'd be something to justify all of this, you know, rape because I, she was literally pulled out of me with this vacuum extractor. And, and so I had this person who I'd never really met, you know, talking about me in the third person with, her arm up my vagina you know like it was really intense and so I had a bunch of flashbacks to that like after um and I couldn't sleep and it was really hard it was a really hard time and I was also alone with this child and she was super traumatized she had a huge hematoma on the top of her head um that was the one thing that and she wouldn't stop crying um, but my mom called her friend, Brenda, who's a cranial sacral therapist mm -hmm. in Vancouver. She does great mm -hmm. 
And Brenda came over and she actually held Layla after, I think it was a couple of days after her birth. And by the time she'd left, the hematoma was gone. Mm -hmm. So she'd actually, like she said that, well, she said, I mean, she's, she said that her astral body had been like pulled up <laughs> and that she, like that Layla wasn't actually in her body that, that, yeah. and so she did this anyway, I don't know about that part, but I do know the hematoma was gone. Uh, so the fluid, she, I think cranial sacral therapists work with fluid in the body and the fluid had moved down and was now being processed by her body. So that was like a very concrete, like, proof that something had been done and also she was very calm after but she hadn't been for days you know she'd really I think I wasn't the only one who was traumatized by that mm -hmm. birth anyway in the end I expressed my dis disappointment you know with what had happened and the feeling of being completely dehumanized and I was dismissed I was told I had a good outcome yeah uh, and that was really harm hurtful because it was like well, a good outcome for who? And like, I'm not okay. And, but I can't even tell you that because I don't, I know that if I do, I'll be pathologized. So then there was also uh, an unwillingness to admit that I was having a hard time, um, that I was having a hard time bonding. You know, luckily the breastfeeding was really easy for me and um, that helped a lot, you know? Because bond, it's a lot easier bonding with with the child, I think, when you breastfeed. At yeah. least in my experience, it's a hugely bonding uh, experience. So in the end, I was just glad that I had all the family support that I had. I can't even imagine if I'd had that experience in Montreal while I was alone. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I would have been one of those stories of the woman who, like, drowned herself and her child in the bathtub. Like, I was really not in a good place. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. And my mom, who's also given birth like four times, she was observed a lot of it. And she said, it's funny because in, when I was giving birth, they used to strap us to yeah. the, the, the table. And, and they actually said to me in 1975 that they weren't going to do that to me because they thought I seemed like a reasonable woman. Yeah. And she said, now what they do is they strap you down with all of these, uh, they, they strap you down in, in a very different kind of way, but it's, it's through their manipulation and all of this technology that literally is, a, you know, like if you try to move at all, it, you, and then once you're paralyzed from the epidural, you're really, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you can't walk out, yeah. let's just say. So there is a lot, anyway, so then with the, Michaela, I uh, told Nick that I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to go to the hospital unless I absolutely had to. And that he, he's a very mainstream guy. I mean, he's had two other kids in hospitals and they were fairly, you know, he trusts the medical establishment. But I, I drew a really hard line on that. I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you try to make me do that, then I will go to a hotel somewhere and I will give birth in that hotel because I'm not going to give birth in a hospital again. Um, so <laughs> he didn't fight me very hard on that. He got, he got vaccination right away. That was his, okay, so. con which I'm cool <laughs> with actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so if you had another child, where would you choose to give birth? How would you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no question. Would you choose um, unassisted or would you try and find someone to 
or would you go with a registered midwife? What What do you think? Just off the top of your head. What I would I would actually choose to I would not choose to have a free birth. Um, Sarah actually saved my life. I I hemorrhaged after giving mm. birth to Mimi, um, and if if she hadn't been there, there's a good chance I would have died. Um, because she had the pitocin and she yeah. had uh, the the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, and I I don't think that Nick would never consent to me doing a home birth at, at home. He found my birth, uh, my home birth traumatic actually mm. because of the hemorrhage. Um, not like PTSD trauma, but scary. But he, scary, yeah. Um, so no, I think the work you're doing is really important. If if I think it's really dangerous for women to be free birthing at home. I don't think I think it's ridiculous that they should have to, given what we have now in terms of prevention of hemorrhaging and like it doesn't make any sense to me that women would be given this either or choice. Yeah. Uh but funnily enough, even though Mimi's birth was much more um physically like a bad outcome <laughs> uh i the physical like trauma of the birth i got over within a couple of days yeah like i i just had no psychological trauma from that birth even though technically i almost died um but it didn't feel violating or you know and it was not an i it was a long birth like i long labor it was 36 hours mm -hmm. of labor like it was sarah really earned her money I, <laughs> Uh, yeah. So what would you, what would you say if you could just, you know, in a few words say, what is the most important thing that, that distinguishes a traumatic birth from, from a birth where you do not experience it as trauma? Well, I think there's a difference between something happening like a natural event happening that maybe is scary and having something done to you by like <laughs> indifferent and uncaring and almost, I mean, the perception is almost psychopathic people. I know that those people aren't psychopaths, but the way they behave in that institution is psychopathic. Mm. And I think that that's, to me, that was the difference for sure. It was, I felt like with Michaela's birth, I was in the middle of this very powerful event, a natural event, like in the storm kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and once you're out of the storm, you kind of accept that, that storms happen, you know, and that we are, you know, this is a liminal experience. This is an experience on the border of life and death. And uh, we let men have those experiences all the time. Uh, and I think it's, crazy that we don't let women have those experiences too, especially ones that are kind of, I think, our birthright. So that would be the main difference for me, is feeling like it's something that na nature has done or, and, and feeling like it's something that people are doing to you mm -hmm. out of their own fear. I mean, that's how I got out of the PTSD, I think, was trying to learn to have compassion for the people in that situation who are also so driven by fear, their own fear of this liminal event or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, ironically, one of the women I was the most angry at, and this is very sad actually, she died 
a year after Layla was born, her and her six-month-old baby died oh. in a float plane crash. Oh, I know her. Yeah. The doctor, the family mm -hmm. physician. Mm -hmm. So it, it was interesting, too, because it's like how we assess risk. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, is taking a float plane statistically risky? Yeah, it is uh, actually one of the more statistically risky forms of flight. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay to do that, and it's not okay to do something else that's statistically slightly more risky. Uh, uh, less risky, actually. Well, I mean, giving birth. Yeah. No, no, I mean like a birth in a hospital versus oh, a birth at home. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that the hospital birth is less, you know, that the, you're less likely to die maybe. Mm. Um, but I don't even think that, I, I never felt like Sarah was out of control. She was just very, it was very serious. And I yeah. never had to go to the hospital or get a blood transfusion or anything like that. It was, um, I didn't lose so much blood that I would have had to be hospitalized. But it was just like, if I'd been left like that for hours, yeah, I would have died. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think women should be able to, to have more choice in birth. Don't they in other provinces? This is an international thing. Okay. Women are not, um, women are not treated well in birth and, 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 It's a political, I believe that it's a political move to keep women from experiencing exactly that thing that you described, that, you know, that, that event that is, that is powerful and risky and come out the other side. Because if we did, if we all did feel that, I think the world would be a very different place. Yeah, I think. It, so I've seen this kind of both uh, happen in Canada, the US, Indonesia, all through Europe, Greece, the, 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 the C-section rate amongst the refugees in Greece was, was stunning. It was 85%. So I'm sorry if I burst your bubble that there's somewhere in the world where that is different. No, it's but. fine. I want to live in the truth. Yeah. Um. So if you, if someone came to you, a young woman who was, uh, who was pregnant and really doesn't know anything and wanted to find out from you what her choices were, what would you suggest to her? Yeah, I've had it. I mean, obviously I'm a big advocate for home birth, but I'm a bigger advocate for choice. And uh, I think women, Honestly, like after this, I said, there's two ways I would go with this experience again, either a home birth or a scheduled C-section. Like, give me a time, give me, I want it to be completely medicalized if I, if I have to have, I don't want to do any of this in-between shit. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I want a time where I go in, you put me under anesthetic, you know, you give me surgery. And at, at the end of that, I have a baby. I don't want any of this Pitocin and epidural. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have an epidural anyway because you're under surgery. But, you know, any of the stuff that um, is like these, I don't know, like t prizes in a Cracker Jack box. Like, I, and then you say, you know, then people try to tell you you had a natural birth. That's what they tried to tell me, that Layla's yeah. birth was a natural birth. Like, give me a break. That's not a natural birth. So that's what I tell them. I say, look my experiences were this. And uh, one thing I would say is 
your biggest enemy is fear. So I think for different women, it's going to be different. I think some women are very comfortable in hospitals. They, they don't want to be, they don't want that risk experience, right? Why should they have to have it? Um, uh, so, and, and that, and they might actually be able to labor very well in a hospital setting because they feel safe there. I know that wasn't true for me. Um, I, my labor stopped the minute I got to the hospital. So <clears throat> I think that, yeah, we're animals and we have to do where we're, go where we're, we're comfortable. So I, I would say make that decision very personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely recommend the unregistered midwife. I, I think I never had any doubt of Sarah's competency. Um, and she proved herself like we had an emergency situation and she completely handled the situation. And even my partner, Nick, who's very mainstream, was really impressed with her. He was like, I'm so glad we had her there. I'm so glad we paid for that. Um, because it was so clear she knew what she was doing and, and she, and everything was fine. Michaela was fine. You know, um, she's nine pounds, but (laughs) so a little large, but very slept very well, you know? So yeah, that would be my, my uh, advice to women. It's not very clear advice. I think you can't make that decision for someone else. Yeah, but definitely we need to have options for women so that they actually have a choice. So um, what would you say is the key to giving, to having the confidence to give birth on your own terms? Um, I think we have to unlearn a certain part of our socialization, which is... Um, caring too much about how other people feel. Yeah, you Um, said something really telling in the beginning, too nice to say no. Yeah, yeah, and I think I definitely, I mean, that that traumatic experience really helped me unlearn that. Like, I was very clear on my boundaries. Um, I think you need to have someone you really trust at the birth, a woman who has given birth. Uh, I, I think, I don't, I think there is a, is a difference between women who have given birth and women who have not given birth. Um, and I think that when you're giving birth, you want to have a woman who's done it there um, just because she's had that visceral experience of having given that. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions. I mean, I guess if there's a woman who's attended like a lot of different births and she's a very earthy person, then I wouldn't exclude her from that. But someone who you feel like really understands the experience on a visceral level, not just a kind of academic, kind of like the mechanistic level. But then I would also say you want to have someone there who understands that part too, ideally the same person um, who can make those calls. Like when do you go to the hospital? You know, um, there are times when you do need to go to the hospital. So I I think making that call, I would say if you are going to have a hospital birth, uh, stay at home as long as possible you know, but trust yourself and trust your body. And, um, and also, yeah, it's really about you. It's, it's really about you and your interests are not in conflict with your child's interests and don't believe people who tell you that they are. That was really what set, they set Layla up as an antagonist to me very early. 
It was a, you know, it was a colonial strategy, really, mm-hmm. divide and conquer. <laughs> you know, if we can convince this woman that what is comfortable for her and good for her is not what her child needs, then we can control her. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you think the way that you've given birth has affected the way that you live your life? Um, yeah, it's, it's changed my feminism. Um, I used, I, I kind of, I was a Judith Butler feminist before I gave birth and I've gone back to the older feminism after having done it. (laughs) I don't know that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that. So, because that was one of the questions, if you consider birth to be a feminist issue. So, can you talk a little more about it? Um, my feeling is that feminism has been co-opted by the patriarchy, the new feminism. Uh, and it's done that by trying to decouple birth from women's experience. Um, and that, I think, is scary and needs to be resisted and unfortunately resisting that is very risky right now yeah it is there's a witch burning going on yep but i think we still need to do it yeah Um, i think the more people that are out there doing it then the less risky it feels yeah i mean there will always be a few that get burned you know, but again, we have to accept a certain amount of risk in being a woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm really glad you do the work you do, Rivka. I've had uh, people say very good things about you. Thank you. I just have one more question. And mm-hmm. that is, um, do you believe that the way that you gave birth um, affected your relationships with each of your children? Do you, do you believe that, that their births has affected, you know, the relationship between you? Yes, I do. Actually, I have a very complicated relationship with Layla. Um, that has been complicated from the beginning, you know, but, um, that's all, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, untangle the strands of why because I was alone with her too and Mm -hmm. and so we have a very intense relationship um but definitely it took longer to bond with her and I see that she as a person is a less certain person than Michaela um who I have a really uncomplicated relationship with and in some ways not as intimate Mm so yeah, I do. I do think it really affected. I, I think it negatively affected my relationship with Layla in the first year of her life. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because I was depressed and I was also angry with her, because it took me a while to realize what they'd done and 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 that they'd set her up as this antagonist to me, and so I blamed her for you know this was done for you. Baby doesn't like that. Baby doesn't like that. Well, what does that do to your relationship? You know, all of a sudden, me trying to be even like. I, finding this experience tolerable is something that you're not letting me do. And of course it's ridiculous because she's a tiny baby, but I think a lot of women do resent their children after birth. 
um, and and associate them with their own loss of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I didn't have that feeling with Michaela at all. Hmm. <laughs> because, hmm. yeah. That's super interesting. Because mm-hmm. I just put the dots together. And so it's sup- it's actually beneficial to the status quo to have women resenting their babies because then they'll get rid of them as soon as possible and go back to work. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but it's not, it's true. Going back to work was a pretty big, uh, you know, and in some ways too, I think if, if I'd actually had Layla with a partner, I would have been able to pass her off, especially a partner like Nick, who's a very good partner and, and he took half of the parental leave and really wanted to be close to his children. Mm. Um, it would have been easy for me to pass her off to someone else and just say, okay, well, you deal with this thing, right? Because there was this, like, this thing quality to her. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to just become the woman I was before I gave birth, which is the kind of career-driven woman. And, and you can be the one that bonds with with her and and so the fact that I was alone with her and that wasn't an option actually was probably a good thing in a way yeah Yeah. well thank you for participating and for actually echoing a lot of the things that I've been thinking about it's so interesting to hear other people actually say them Mm -hmm. but um yeah thank you and thank you I hope that uh, I hope that speaking about it is. I hope that you're okay with speaking about it. I know that it's difficult to revisit those experiences. Well, it's been eleven years, you know, so <laughs> like yeah. I've had uh, the, the 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 call that I put out on Facebook. One of the people I know personally, and um, she just turned seventy nine, mm. and her daughter is forty three. Yeah, you know, so. One thing I would, I would say, like, if you have had a traumatic birth, um, and you want to have another child, you know, uh, it can be very healing. I think that Michaela's birth was so healing for me. Um, and I think that actually it was through her birth that I got over the first birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I got back something that was really, I felt really taken from me, which is this kind of dignity, you know, um, and kind of faith in my body too you know so uh, I think that that there are ways like for women to recover from these experiences and I I would also say that that you know we're way more resilient than uh, we think we are yeah 